Start of the Boy Mates World podcast and the next installment of Board Broadcasters. Today's guest is Dave Sims, voice of the Seattle Mariners. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, Dave was incredibly gracious with his time and talked to me about what life sans baseball looks like for him, uh, what Philadelphia broadcast icon Bill Campbell meant to him, calling Felix's no-hitter, sorry, perfect game in 2012, or perfecto as Dave likes to call it, uh, Dave beating cancer in 2015. Uh, we even talked about Kirby enthusiasm. It was awesome. I hope you all enjoyed this one as much as I did, and I hope you are all staying safe. Thanks for listening. Cool. Well, I'm here with Dave Sims, play-by-play voice for the Seattle Mariners, among many other things. Dave, it's an honor to have you on, and thanks so much for taking the time. You're very welcome. And one thing I have on my hand, time. No <laughs> baseball this opening day. I've got a lot of time on my hand. Yeah, I appreciate you you being another board broadcaster for me to talk to, but I wish you weren't bored and that we had uh, some live sports to talk about. But I'm, I'm curious, how are you filling your days without baseball? Well, let's see. This will be third interview today. Did one last night. Uh, I've work. I need. You know, I've worked out. In terms, I'm, I'm a gym rat, so I'm always in the gym and wait for delivery of a new uh, treadmill. There you go. <laughs> so. But I've been doing some working out here in the at home, and uh, I've been taking the opportunity to call some friends I haven't been caught up with in a long time. Called some of my coworkers, families, and uh, you know, been keeping an eye on baseball news, news the over, you know world news, national news, obviously the, bi- the news on the virus, what's happening there, and uh, and then for the last a couple of times, if I'm not watching Jeopardy with my wife, I don't know. Pop on uh, YouTube is a wealth of material, <laughs> yeah. and I I went back. I was just flipping through and said, ah, I took a shot. Sixty four World Series highlights. I watched those. I watched sixty five highlights. Another time, I watched Game Four, Cincy clinching against the Yankees in seventy six. The treat there was listening to Joe Garagiola, Tony Kubek, and Phil Rizzuto. So, you know, a little, a little bit of baseball Jones here. There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, we just we get through every day. Absolutely. Uh, so today was supposed to be your your opening day number fourteen with the Mariners. I don't know if that sounds surreal to you to think that it's yeah, that's it's, right. It's yeah. been that long. Yeah. Uh, what's your normal opening day routine if if today was supposed to go on as as planned? Well, I mean, it, it, it's you know, almost the normal routine having baseball. I mean, it's during the season. I mean, it's, it's special. Obviously, it's opening day. We've been in the last few years. They've asked us to. Um, uh, go out at the in front of the uh, go into rotunda uh, in front of uh, T-Mobile. I'm gonna say go and uh, lead the fans and sing and take me out to the ball game. So that's been that's been uh, that's been good. And then yeah, the other thing, just the excitement and you know, starting new. You know, work the clubhouses, talk to both teams. They will catch up with you know the Texas. Well, this would have been the Texas Rangers. You know, uh, Woody, the, the manager, Woodward is a good, Chris Woodward is a good dude. He was with us for a while. It was like catching up with him and the broadcasters and some of the players. Are, they've changed a lot, but I'm sure there's some players over there that I know. And, you know, it's a, you have to like, you have to like people to do this gig. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a great opportunity to, to you know, to, to mix mix with people and hang out. And you're talking baseball. You know, kind of hard to beat. 
I'm curious with this year's Ems team, what were you most looking forward to, uh, whether it's this opening day or, or throughout this season that, that um, we don't get right now? Well, I was just looking forward to getting back to work. I mean, it's a great routine. It's a great life. And, you know, we got a whole bunch of young kids. It's been a, you know, a, re- a restart. And a lot of guys were going to get opportunities. And hopefully, we, you know, they still will in, in a shortened season. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it, the speculation and, you know, hey, is it nice to see the kids? It doesn't mean anything until they get a chance, until they have the chance. And then and do they make the most of their opportunity to prove themselves? And just because some guy is highly touted and, you know, baseball America and, and any other place doesn't mean it's going to be give me it. You know, it's, a, it's too many guys have told me over the, over the course of time, it's a big <laughs> mantle league. It's a big boy league. Yeah, you can talk all you want, but you got to prove it out on the, out on the field. So that's, you know, that's the wonder at the thing, you know, of, uh, you know, of discovery and, and finding out what the heck is going on. Speaking of YouTube, uh, today is the 14th uh, anniversary of what call of yours do you remember i have no idea i know they're running the uh, felix uh uh, perfecto which was august 15 of 2012 and uh uh, i have no idea what what that would be the george mason yukon game oh yeah 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 (laughs) baseball terms yeah you know westwood is going to run that on saturday Yep. I talked to uh, Mike Eby, who was my producer. I was working with the, the late, great Hall of Famer, Dave Gavin. And I have never felt, at least at that point, I've, I've, it's happened several times since then, but this was 06. It was a year before I got to the Mariners. And I was pretty much a full-time basketball football guy. And I was doing 50 games on you know, ESPN, ESPN Regional, uh, Westwood One. Anyway, this was the East Regional Final in D.C., and UConn, a prohibitive favorite to get to the Final Four, and I was, no one gave thought to Mason beating them, and they did. And to feel the surge of that building, the energy in that building, you could feel the whole building breathing in and out. It was like watching a souffle rise and fall. And it was until Felix, uh, until I called the Felix uh, Perfecto, that was the greatest moment I had in my uh, in my. Uh, broadcasting career in terms of thrills of doing a play-by-play. I mean, that's it's one of those things, you know, that's why you, you get into into this business to have moments like that. And uh, that was really exciting. I, I'm totally forgotten the date. I Usually I see that on my calendar. I must have overlooked it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an old-timer. I actually had to boycott that game as a, as a UW fan. I, I couldn't watch UConn play anymore after the, uh, the Sweet 16 game, the game before that. Uh, but that is an awesome moment for you to be a part of. And, and uh, I think, you know, just one of one of the many jobs in sports media you've had covering different sports. Uh, I, I was listening to you or talk about Bill Campbell's role in your life as a, a Philadelphia we broadcasting icon. Bill Campbell, yeah. What yeah. about his commentary other than, you know, he was the voice back then. What about his commentary inspired you as a young kid from Philly? Well, he was a constant. I mean, he freaking did everything. I mean, I started going to football games at uh, Eagles games when I was five. And when, uh, you know, at that, I guess those first few years before we got season tickets, I'd go to at least one game, maybe two games a year, especially when Jim Brown would come to town. But the other times I'd be listening. And a lot of times, you know, and oh, God, I love Jack Whitaker when he did the Eagles, uh, when they did road games, and he usually had the game on for CBS. But, and then, uh, uh, Bill Campbell wound up, he wound up doing, uh, the Phillies and the Sixers. I just love this enthusiasm, um, word picture ability, but just 
I mean, the strength and the confidence of his voice, you know, a little bit of a Philly accent, not too heavy. Hmm. Um, he was just exciting. I mean, it's like he made you when you, when you were at home, and listening, I was like, damn, I got to go to a game. This is great. This is, if he's talking about it like this, this must really be good. I remember listening to him uh, when Colfax threw a no-no against the Phillies. I mean, that was, that was unbelievable. And, and, of course, back in those days, we didn't have the TV coverage that we have now, right. which is, you know, the best. But, I mean, I, I'd listen to games, a lot of those Sterling games that, that happened back in the day. But, you know, Bill Campbell – he he did everything. He did baseball, football, basketball, and he all did. He did them well. He did. He did Uncle Wildey's 100 point game in Hershey mm-hmm. against the Knicks, and he had uh, the early days of. Uh, uh, yeah, he was there when Julius got there. When the doctor got to Philly, he was probably at the end of his tenure with the Sixers. But uh, yeah. he's working with Matty Googles. Matty, I can't believe Rob Storm didn't give him that call. <laughs> Julius Irving got fouled going for you know. So, oh, that's great. That's good. He was he was a homer like Phil Rizzuto. I mean, he was he was terrific. I called him. I mean, like, uh, God, let's take it the job in 07. So he was still around like 08, 09. Mm-hmm. And a guy, a friend, a dear friend of mine from high school lives in Arizona. He sent me his books. He said, you got to read his books about Bill Campbell. And as an added bonus, they had a DVD of his famous calls in front of the book. So I, oh, wow. I read the book. And then I called, and I used to work at the Inquir- Philadelphia Inquirer as an intern. So I called there and got Sam, I think it's Sam Cacciardi, who's the writer who wrote the book. I said, Sam, you have got to give me his number. So yeah, no problem. Gave me his number. I called him. I said, I said, tell, tell Mr. Campbell I'm going to call him. I called him up. I said, Mr. Campbell, Dave Simpson, the Seattle Mariners. I'm a Philly guy, and you're the reason I got into broadcasting. You're one of the main reasons why I got into broadcasting. Oh, Dave, thanks. That means a lot. And we chatted for a while. I said, I just wanted to tell you, it's a thrill and it's an honor to be able to talk to you. And, uh, you know, God bless. And he, we, we called him his last like 20 years. He was known as the dean, mm-hmm. you know, of sportscasters, sportscasters in Philly. And he talked to anybody in my generation who grew up in, in and around Philly. And I tell you, the utmost respect for, uh, for Bill Campbell. And tell you what, it's my, and we all love Harry Callis. Harry's another huge inspiration, but Harry caught hell when he, uh, Philly's unceremoniously dumped um, Bill Campbell and brought in Harry Callis, who was like a 20, 29-year-old kid out of Houston. And Harry caught hell for a few years before he caught on. And I think, luckily, I think that's when Bill went over to the Sixers. But uh, uh, we've had some good ones in Philly, no question. We've got some good ones in Seattle. The uh, the the knee house to to Riz to to uh, to Sims lineage that we've had. Uh, we've been pretty blessed. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's uh, like you said, it's a constant, and and I'm I'm curious how that role has changed. I mean, thinking about Bill Campbell, there's nothing else to do. You're glued to the radio, listening to him, uh, versus you. You know, you're competing against a lot of varied interests while people are watching a baseball game or or, or listening to a game. Has it changed for you even since you've been in the role of, of paying attention to, to the the ADHD nature of, of the of the fan? Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you mention? I just talked to some talking to my brother in law who's doing some videos and I told him I said, Don't forget short attention span short attention span <laughs> theater. It doesn't have to be long to be good. And uh you know, I I I'm an old I spent eight seven almost eight years as a tabloid uh, sports writer. Uh, and tablet in a not in a pejorative way, but mm-hmm. a good one at the Daily News in New York. And you know, cut to the chase and get to it. And I think I, I, I 
I think I'm pretty pretty well versed in that, and I I didn't even really think about it. And you know, on on TV, your caption service on radio, you got to you know word picture describe everything, every movement, every sight, smell. I learned that from Marty Marty Glickman. So <clears throat> you know that that's where I am on that. I mean, it, it it's part of who I am, and mm-hmm. and going back and forth between. TV and radio is pretty cool, actually, because you get the, I mean, they're so too disparate and uh, entities. You know, we say it's like horseshoes and hand grenades. I mean, totally different way of doing things. And it, it really keeps you sharp. I, uh, I was listening to, to Bill Campbell talk specifically about that, that hundred point game in Hersheyville. And his, his joke was how, you know, there are only 4,000 people in the building that day, but, Everyone in Philly will tell you that they were there for oh, that game. No question. Uh, pretty similar, I think, of that Felix Perfect game in 2012. I was there. I was uh, up uh, on the third deck. I was working at uh, the Ivers station up there. Uh, oh, nice. And, and obviously, you were you were there on the call. Uh, there wasn't quite four thousand of us. There were, or, you know, more closer to twelve or thirteen. Pretty empty. I was going to, I, I was going to say, yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Re- I'd have to look up. Box score, but I don't think there was more than fifteen thousand. Yeah, matinee seventy-five win Mariner team against Tampa. It was it was uh, pretty sparse in there. But when did you know as that game's going along that's that's going to be a special day? Well, you know, you get into the fifth inning and the guys retired everybody. I mean, it's like, hey, you're on oh alert. I mean, usually, especially in this day and age, when you, you know you get alerts on your your laptop, your sure. iPad, your iPhone, and generally AP <clears throat> and or in every sports news service. MLB, they'll put no hitter alert up once it gets into the sixth inning. So I knew darn well once we got to the fifth inning of the sixth, I was like, hey, now you're, you know, it, you know you're, you really start to, to feel the buzz. And I had already called Umber's uh, Perfecto against us in April of that year. So I was like, that was familiar territory. The first time was like, holy mackerel. Second time it was, it was, okay, I've done this before, but this is a different element because it's our guy. And I, I was, I was, I actually listened in. I was watching this about a half hour ago, and I, I heard why I said that. Uh, you know, you know, he's our guy. You know, he's the king, and you know, yada yada yada. So that hey, was, yeah. You, you you see nothing but zeros in your book, and there's a certain symmetry to your scorebook. It's going one two three, one two three, one two three. Uh, something's brewing. Seattle Mariners, Felix Hernandez, the two two. He got him. Thirty-four years, 119 games, it's finally happened! A perfect game by a Seattle Manor! It was done by the King, Felix Hernandez! The 23rd perfect game in Major League history. Third this year, Matt Kane of the Giants. Philip Bumber did it here in Seattle against the Mariners. And now Felix Hernandez, he puts his name in the record books with a perfecto. Yeah, that's uh, it, was, it was such a cool moment because you had... Uh, Felix there, who is just at the peak of his powers. I mean, the, the start afterwards, he was just as dominant, um, but just, you know, ball, ball bounces different directions for for, uh, for that game. Um, well, he had a game before that. that I even mentioned it in the broadcast about two weeks earlier at Yankee Stadium. He shoved it on them here in New York. 
uh, like a two hitter with like six strikeouts, two walks. And I thought, you know, I, there there was command he had in that game that was as good, if not mm-hmm. better, than what he had in per- Perfecto, which is hard to believe. But I mean, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. I, I want to say it was Nick Swisher. You know, he just sort of like shook his head, took his helmet off, and sort of like tipped it to him. And <laughs> he did that. And you know, I think Jeter gave him a nod one time. And remember another time against the Angels and Tory Hunter was there. Tory, he did. He like did a semi bat like like he was like a Japanese greeting to him. So. You didn't see. I didn't. I don't remember seeing any of that from Tampa Bay, but you know, they knew. They knew what the deal was, was that day. Yeah, uh, you are on record as as an unabashed homer. I think you come from the the Phil Rizzuto school, as you said. Of uh, you know, you you know, you want to capture that energy for the for the home crowd. How do you? I, I don't think you have any Seattle ties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, jump into the Seattle market and adopt that team and, you know, become a voice of a city that, that isn't yours, uh, especially when the Mariners are not exactly a uh, easy product to, uh, to root for with, with their. No, I hear you. But you know, the thing is, uh, you know, Gary Cohen from the Mets told me, he's a friend of mine and he said, Hey, you know, once I got the job, he says, you know, for years you've been parachuting in and doing these games. Now you have your own team and, you know, your own guys, you're going to, you're gonna get to know everybody. You're gonna let, you're gonna be closer to some guys than others, and, but you'll be familiar with the story. You'll know mm-hmm. the whole thing. I mean, so yeah, that, that's easy. I mean, if you're around that many guys, and if you do your job the way it's supposed to be done, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna develop ties. And you know, and and I do like the city. I mean, I've been there. When the heck was I? I a lot of times for in the NBA. I was there for uh, yeah, Final Four '95. So I was a little bit familiar with it, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great place. It really is, and it's you know a place you know that East Coasters when they think of the West Coast generally don't think about, but then when they come to Seattle, holy man, this is really nice, especially if they come during the summertime. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, so right now I'm imagining that this is a, a good time for um, for people in in sports, especially to to gain perspective about how quick and how easy this can be taken away and how much, oh, God, no, no question. you know, how, how, how we just assume that the sports train just keeps going and going because it always has for us. That's, that's happened to you before. Um, you know, in 2015, you get diagnosed with prostate cancer. How did, how did that moment change your perspective on life? Well, you know, I'm probably more frightened about it now than I was then. I was very concerned. I was like, geez, how do I beat this? And mm-hmm. I hope I beat it. And if I don't, well, that's what it is. But, um, <clears throat> it, uh, yeah, it, it makes you think. And I sort of, I think I was probably more numb than anything. I was like, holy Christ, this is, you know, wow, this is actually happening to me. This isn't, yeah. you know, I am the other guy now. And, uh, and I, it was great. It was a little disconcerting at the start. Um, because I remember the first couple of doctors, first doctor I reached out to and he never got back to me. And, and I might have let a day or two go, and my wife said, "Hey, call call my OBGYN. He knows everybody. Sure enough, he says I got you. This guy's a good friend. I delivered his kids. He took care of my dad. So I'll have you in there by Friday. I think this was on like a Monday or Tuesday. I was in there, and you know, Doctor Douglas Sher, I'll never forget it. Yankee fan, big baseball fan, and uh, he said, just because your PSA is elevated doesn't mean you have it. But you know, let's uh, let's see what we got to do. CAT scan, bone scan, MRI." biopsy uh yeah you got it uh what's your timetable when do you have to be in spring training i said well i'd like to be there you know early march when i'm supposed to be there about this is uh done let's give you a couple of weeks a few weeks to heal from the biopsy this was right before christmas 
Well, operate January 15th. It was Dr. King's birthday. Boom. I was at spring training right on time. Did miss it there. That's, and uh, the biggest thing that I've done, uh, especially that first year and to a lesser extent now, because guys still don't talk about it, but mm-hmm. I got out in front and, you know, somebody said, Hey, uh, would you, you mind talking about it? I said, heck no. And Greg Johns and, uh, Ryan Divish did pieces on me and then. CHI Franciscan. I did a, a video for them. I've, you know, I've spoken to guys that have called me. And matter of fact, a friend of mine down in Arizona last month, I need to talk to you. I, I, I think I have, I might have prostate cancer walk me through. And I sent him a the same thing for you that Jeff Bostic, who, you know, went through three, four Super Bowls with the Redskins was a broadcast partner of mine for a lot of years when he got it. He got it about a year and change before I did. So I called him and he walked me through the whole process, what was going to happen, what you're going to see, you know, see, taste and smell and that what you're going to feel like and what's going to happen. And I do that for anybody who, who asks about it. And I told him a big, big advocate for, uh, you know, making sure you get tested annually. Yeah, that's great to turn your situation into um, a whole new perspective and to, you know, by broadcasting that your own struggle and being open about that. I think uh, you and Jerry DePoto are, are both uh, testaments to that. Of, of, uh, yeah, thanks. How that can open yeah, doors. We, we did, uh, you, I don't know if you saw it, but who, uh, for uh, Fred Hutch, mm. we did a video where we sat in, in the, uh, one of the booths and we basically told each other our stories and uh, they recorded it. They did a nice, I think it was a two, if not a three camera shoot. And I should get I should get a copy of that. It was really good. Joe talked about his battle with thyroid cancer and his whole thing. I told mine, and I, I tell you, it was really compelling. Yeah, it's it's no, it's you know you, you realize how close you are to to you know my my mom is is a cancer survivor and um, oh know, good she, oh, she, nice good she, to hear yeah thank you she uh she has a pink license plate that says ask me about how I feel about pink and she gets to a lesser extent to what you're getting of people coming up to her at the grocery store and asking about that and. The kinship that you find and people have gone through it. So, oh, um, oh, unreal, unreal. Susan Waldman's a good friend of mine, the Yankee broadcaster, and she she's probably the second or third person I called. Welcome to a club you never wanted to be a part of. You're <laughs> gonna be all right. You got this. And, and uh, I always think about when I I was in let's see, I was in recovery. So my oldest son and my wife in the dock, and then I guess it was later on that evening, my phone rings. And it turned out Susan had called a bunch of guys in baseball. Dave, Joe Torrey, how we doing? Talked to Joe, talked to Dusty, mm. talked to a few guys. It was great. That was so uplifting. It was so cool. And I'll never forget my wife handed me a phone. She could see mouth. Joe Torrey. I was like, holy shit, Joe Torrey. <laughs> I don't know. I know Joe. I mean, it's not like, sure. you know, we didn't know. I mean, we, you know, we've come run across each other many times over the years, but you know, he was, when he had his surgery, geez, that was right around the 96 when they wanted 96. And that surgery has come so far mm-hmm. technologically since then. And, you know, I remember Dusty even said he had his in 01 or 02. And so, like, comparatively speaking, what they do now was like being in a mash unit. But now mm-hmm. it's so precise and everything, the way they do it. it it's just enough. It, you know, if you have to go through it, that's how you want to get it done, man. That's awesome, and, and glad to hear you're you're doing well uh, in the uh, in the present here. Uh, I've I've taken you at your twenty minutes. Can I give you five rapid fire questions before you get out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I saw you tweeted about Curb Your Enthusiasm, and so uh, my my question is, what's your favorite episode of Curb? God, man, how much time do you have? Oh <laughs> man, I, freaking Larry, man. He 
Larry and Davey Smooth, and I miss uh, oh, my man who played uh, oh, uh, Funkhauser. Funkhauser. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Super Dave. Yep. And uh, oh, any anytime Susie goes off on him, it's just this. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing so hard, I'm crying. <laughs> um, matter of fact, one a, a quick story. Uh, Robert Klein, the comedian actor, is a, a friend of ours, and he says, "We'll meet. Go to the, the go get a table at the Friars Club. I'll meet you there." Long story short, as we're waiting for him, the table over is Susie Espin and my wife. So oh, wow. Susie. But we didn't want to we didn't want to intrude. But it was just so cool to, to see her there. And we we're like we couldn't help but eavesdrop. But it was just it was just too funny. But yeah, I'd like to. I've met Seinfeld. I've never met Larry. I would love to meet Larry. Larry is a, both of them are psycho sports fans. Mm-hmm. Um, anything he oh oh the the hooker one from years ago at Dodger Stadium yes the carpool <laughs> that he was yeah, yeah that was a great that one comes to mind what what else you got uh, your favorite non Felix call of your career oh 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 uh, in baseball a- any um, sport yeah there were there was one where Cruz I think it was in I think it was in Tampa. And he got an inside fastball, and all he said was, money's worth. <laughs> That's oh, sick, baby. You know, that was just, he was on a tear. I miss him. I, and then, oh, God, I miss uh, no, as a person and as a player. Yeah, he's, he's um, I've had some good ones in football, too, and some good ones in hopes. Uh, the George Mason call is up there. And uh, the uh, when they reopened the Superdome after Katrina, and I did that game. Uh, was it Atlanta? Yeah, it was Atlanta, New Orleans. Steve Gleason oh, wow. blocks the punt, and uh, I forget how New Orleans had a couple other scores. I don't remember, but it was you know to that point the loudest. Maybe that that's one of the top three loudest you know arenas I've ever been in. Yeah, that block moment is punt is an all time moment. Uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, hardest Unreal. hardest name for you to pronounce? There's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I've done a good job flushing it past. <laughs> All right, deal. That's a good thing. Uh, favorite hat that you own? Uh, I've got. Uh, there's a black fedora. I'm looking at it right now with a gray band highlighted in white. I probably and it's a trilby where you know it's got the little like dimples in the side. That's probably that one and uh, one of the the Panamas. It's been cool to see the uh, the Mariners embrace your love of hats in their in their promotional items over the years. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. The Mariners will make the playoffs again in what year? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pigeonhole myself on that one. <laughs> the, fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, I appreciate the time, Dave, and I hope that uh, your hiatus of baseball is is uh, short lived, and I hope that you and your family stay safe and stay healthy. And uh, I appreciate the time. Yeah, you're very welcome, man. All the best, Steve. Take care.